listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary usually, although not always, including this week, we are going to be doing something a little different. So we hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all, but especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm professor of New Testament and of spiritual formation at Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Nate Nupanga. Uh, Nate is the teaching pastor at Mercy Road Church in Carmel, Indiana. Nate was uh, raised in Africa and in three different countries in, within the continent of Africa before moving to the U.S. when he was in high school. Um, his unique upbringing has given him a love for people of different backgrounds and cultures. Uh, he's a contributing author to the Africa Study Bible. And his, uh, his wife, Shana, is uh, from the States, actually from Marion, Indiana, where IWU is from. And together they have three children. And uh, Nate is, uh, is an excellent preacher and has preached at the chapel here at Indian Wesleyan uh, a couple times now. And he was in town to preach as part of the Acts series we're doing this fall. For regular listeners of the show, we'll remember that we had Andrea, on, Andrea Summers on just a bit ago uh, to talk about one of those Acts passages and uh, we're doing the same thing now with Nate, or we're looking at a different passage uh, from Acts 16, Acts 16, starting at uh, verse 6, and then going to the end of the chapter, verse 40. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be looking at that passage together today. If you're enjoying the show today, make sure to press the share button on your podcast player app, and then you can pass this show on to others so they can find out as well. And make sure to subscribe uh, to all the shows on the Called Collective Network. So uh, thanks for listening, and enjoy this conversation about Acts with Nate. Yeah, so uh, here we are uh, looking at Acts chapter 16. We've got a big chunk of text here, uh, verses 6 through the end of the chapter, which is what, 38 or 40? It's an awesome, and it's all intertwined, all the parts of the story. Right. So, um, so, we're, so uh, Nate and I are going to take turns uh, reading through this. So uh, here goes. So they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite uh, Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So... Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man from Macedonia, a Macedonian man, pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news of the gospel to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace and following the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in that city for some days. So you can pick up at 13. (laughs) And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household also, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, 
come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And when morning came, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, The magistrates sent word to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul replied, They have beaten us in public, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And they're going to discharge us now in secret? Certainly not. Let them come and escort us out themselves. <laughs> the police reported the words to the magistrates, and they were filled with fear when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked that they would leave the city. <laughs> After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home. And when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Yeah, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks uh, for the movement of your mission, the movement of uh, Paul and his companions into new territory, into new spaces, to new people, at your guidance, at your spirit's movement. And we thank you for the way that this liberating power of your spirit was spread among these people, uh, even though it was disruptive to their society. It was nevertheless a liberating power. And so we ask, Lord, that you'd grant to us uh, <laughs> some liberty right now, uh, mm -hmm. loosen up our minds, mm -hmm. loosen up our lips, shake us up so that we can see things that we maybe have not seen before, or take mm -hmm. risks in our interpretation that we've never taken before. Help us to, to really move with freedom as we engage this text, uh, a freedom not of our own making, uh, but of the work of your spirit. So we ask that you would do that for, for Nate and I and, and do the same for everyone who's listening in to empower them uh, for what they need to see and hear in the word of God today. So we ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So these, these Acts passages like you, if you don't do the whole story, you don't get it, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, as the as the the show goes on today, we'll, we'll, we may have to discuss how to how to cope with that in yeah. a, in a in a preaching setting. But for, just for now, let's just enjoy the text. Like, Absolutely. what do you notice? What jumped out at you today? Yeah. as you read it. Well, I think right away what uh, just stood out was how present the Holy Spirit is. It's like the 
we're at a point now in time where Christ has come. And he said, it's better that I go away so that you'd receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) When he comes, right, he will empower you, instruct you. And then, of course, there's the beginning of Acts where uh, they're told that they'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and they'll be witnesses. And I love how present the Holy Spirit is all throughout. It's like the Holy Spirit is the kind of the common thread that is woven throughout all these uh, different stories that we've read here. It's just so cool to me. And Living in the living in the West here, where we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, <laughs> you know, I grew up in a very conservative, um, like just preach the Bible kind of background, which I love. It taught me it taught me a deep love for the Scriptures, and we joked oftentimes that our Trinity was uh, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures, right? And <laughs> you see the Holy Spirit so present all throughout here, and. Yeah. Um, signs and wonders are happening, and there's just an awesome move of God. So that really stood out to me right away, the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, I was, I was flipping around thinking about what the Spirit's up to mm-hmm. in these opening mm-hmm. passages, because, because as as may feel familiar to a lot of us, sometimes we know we have a sense of where the Spirit's directing us, but we seldom know why. Yes. Right, yeah. and it's starting out as a blockage. Yes, right, forbidden by the Holy Spirit, verse mm-hmm. six, mm-hmm. getting blocked mm-hmm. in it to to continue there in in Asia, and that's referring to Asia Minor, like what we call modern day Turkey. Yeah. And then the Spirit didn't allow again. Spirit of Jesus, it says, verse yeah. seven. Yeah. Now, was this a vision? Was this a word of prophecy? We don't know. It, right. it doesn't yeah. get into the mechanics. Yeah. Actually, the Book of Acts seldom gets into the mechanics. Right. It just says it happened. <laughs> And it's not until this vision that they they finally get a sense of what the yes is. You know, it's just no. Every direction is a right. blockage. Which um, that was another point, too, that they're operating based on a vision, yeah. which I think will mess with a lot of our theologies, right, today. <laughs> yeah. Because how many of us really take time to, you know, whether this was a dream or what it was, it just tells us again here a vision how many of us would just say, well, maybe it's just a bad pizza I had last night, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, but they're actually willing to be obedient based on that really stood out to me a lot because I think a lot of our theologies um, don't allow, right, for that kind of thing a lot. Again, based on my background especially, yeah, no, this would I, be a totally like, okay, we, we don't do that around here, you know, kind of thing. So. Yeah, but you've seen it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you've seen how it works. I mean, yes, in a... <laughs> In chapter 22 of Acts, it's, yeah. it's revealed something that happened earlier mm. in the story is that Paul has a vision mm. in the temple of Jesus oh. himself speaking to him and sending him to the Gentiles. Mm. I usually, I feel like I haven't taken that into account in my interpretation of Acts very well. This yeah. summer is when I kind of notice I'm like, because he oh. tells that story kind of after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. It's after even this story, but I'm mentioning it to say that the place of visions in Paul's own formation yeah, is pretty essential. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. we know that Ananias has been told yeah. when he gets when Paul gets converted. We yeah. know that Ananias has been told that he's going to go to the Gentiles. Yes. Doesn't say whether Ananias shares that right. with Paul. So, um, I wonder if, in some ways, at least mm. from Paul's point of view, it was that moment in the temple a few years later yeah. is when yeah. he had that clarity. Mm. So he's already been guided by vision in general, in terms of his mission in general. And this is this is a more particular mission of where to serve, where to go, where to go next. Um, Mm. So I'm with you. I think that's a recurrent. It's not just a fluke right here. In other words, what I'm trying to say. And it's, I mean, spoiler alert. But in chapter 18, he's going to end up in Corinth, and Jesus specifically says Jesus appears to him in a vision at night and tells him to stay. So sometimes the vision says go. Sometimes it says stay. Right. So So this is, I I just wanted to affirm, I think that is a recurring theme uh, for Paul in particular, that these visions guide him. So come, come over to Macedonia and help us. Hmm. (laughs) Yes. And it's interesting. I agree that the spirit's always at work throughout it, but the language then kind of of the spirit drops Mm -hmm. out though. It does. I mean, you can tell it's at work guiding. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that they are engaged in you know, this, this, this casting out of this, of this demon, this evil spirit. What was it called? Where was that? And they said was, uh, divinity, uh, yeah, fortune spirit telling. Of divination. Yeah. yeah divination. So as we were going to the place of prayer, the place of the prayer in verse of 16, yeah. where is that? Is that, 
Is that referring to, yeah. Ooh, I never noticed this before. Verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Well, I'm guessing, is this our, it's probably his first time to not come to a town with a synagogue because he always just goes to the synagogue right. first. Yeah. So, but we got to start with, we got to start with where God's already working. So they look mm. for a, a place of prayer. So this is like an outdoor gathering of yeah. some women yeah. who are worshipers of God. Th- that term kind of stood out to me too, worshiper of God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting just trying to, man, I, ha- I have so many questions about that one, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm even reading it like, what does that mean? And how had they heard? What kind of um, teaching had they received? How are they living out their faith in that setting? And what does the church look like? I mean, I have like probably a hundred questions I want to ask about that term and that observation about uh, Lydia and some of these other women. Yeah, because well. there's that technical term we bump into, um, God-fearer yes. in earlier times. Yes. That's, but that's a more specific category yes. of Gentiles yep. who are hanging around with Jews yes. in the synagogue. They're studying the Torah, but yep. they've not taken on circumcision and the dietary laws, yep. right? And, and it's, there's a clear pattern of the gospel being particularly popular with them. Yes. It's like, oh, so I don't have I to don't go have get to... the operation? <laughs> Sign me up for that gospel. <laughs> but this isn't that term. No. So that, yeah. that stands out to me. What was the verse again where that appears? Uh, so in chapter 16, um, it's in verse 14. 16, when 14. When it's talking about Lydia. Sebomene ton theon. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. I don't know, man. Maybe this is, maybe this is a uh, bad radio, but I want to do, I want to, don't you, I kind of want to do a, yeah, there you go. I want to do a word study, like <laughs> yeah. live, live yeah. word study. Here we go. So let's get it. Let me open up my, so I'm just going on to Bible Hub here. I explain this occasionally for listeners. If you, you can go to Bible Hub or Blue Letter Bible, and the easiest way to do a word study in my experience is to actually go find the passage in interlibrary, yeah. in, not interlibrary, what am I talking about? Uh, interlinear. Interlinear, yeah. So that's verse 14. 14, yep. Yeah. So I'm going to 14 here, and I'm looking at Sebomene. And I, if you're on Bible Hub, you click the little lowercase e. I know you know this, but our listeners might not. And I'm just looking at some uses. It shows up in Acts quite a bit. Yeah, it's only in Acts and then two times in Matthew and Mark. Yeah. And the Mark one just, yes, it's just kind of a standard word for worship. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so it was used earlier in Acts 13.50. See if that helps. Oh, the, <laughs> the Judeans were inciting some devout women of high standing. Mm. and leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. That's when they're, where is that? She said 1350, right? Yeah, so that's like Iconium and Lystra and Derby. So the Central Asia, Central uh, uh, Asia Minor. Well, I mean, mm. devout women of standing, that tells me that they are, it's devout is being, the word translated devout there is yeah. sebomenos, worshiping yeah. women. Okay. Inter- so it's the same word, right? Same that comes word. Up That's over there. And this and description suits, yeah, who Lydia was. Mm-hmm. That is very I interesting. Getting, I didn't I know that. I think we're getting somewhere, aren't we? <laughs> that is really so cool. So that makes me wonder if, again, and, and then 43, um, oh, yep, yep, yep. Look back a couple verses. When the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism, devout converts to Judaism is being is translating. Yeah. Ton sebomenon, that same word, yep. is being translated devout hmm. proselytes. So that's actually ones who've been converted. Yeah. So interesting. So these could be, so it seems like sh- this is implying, again, I don't know if it's as a technical term as, right. as God-fearer, but clearly there's a, she's somehow connected, connected to the Jewish yeah. faith. Is that Absolutely. what's implied about Lydia? Yeah, that's a great question. Because it's it's not that she's a, already a Christian believer. Right. But it's not that she's like a, I don't think it's saying she's that she's a, a believer, pagan. Yeah. Because then it wouldn't, I don't think they would say that she's a worshiper of God if she's. Well, and then. Because then they would have said, oh, she was like, why would she be out in the place of prayer? So I wonder if right. she, and she isn't from there. So she's from a town maybe that has a synagogue, right? She's from Thyatira, it says. So she may have been exposed to, to the Jewish faith 
back in Thyatira. Isn't that what it says she's from? Thyatira, yeah. Hmm. Which, interestingly enough, is back in one of those regions that the Holy Spirit didn't let them go to. <laughs> so yeah, they do end up getting wow. to serve the people that wow. they wanted to go serve. It's just they needed to serve the people hmm. that had been displaced and were in living in a different place. I love her uh, her response, too, which is to get baptized. And I love what she says here, too, at the end of 15. If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. <laughs> so she's, she's, uh, she's a worshiper of God. And she here herself claims to be faithful to the Lord. So, yeah, you you start to wonder, like, what category do you put Lydia in, right? Uh, (laughs) Prior to Paul and Silas coming here. That's interesting. I had not seen that before. (laughs) Because in my mind, I, I feel like it's one of those you sometimes remember... Scripture maybe based on some of the stories you've been told or you've mm-hmm. heard, and in my mind somehow I had always thought she was one of the people that Paul went, preached the gospel to, and then she just, you know, converted, became a believer. But then this kind of opens a whole new can of worms. Like, okay, what well, where was she at actually, right? In her in her faith journey. She's already before. moving towards she was already moving towards that, which is really cool to see. And isn't it interesting that, that mm. in Paul's vision it's a man. It's, it's right. on air. It's not the generic anthropos. Right. It's a yeah. A, a, a male yeah. is waving them over to help. Mm. But when they get their their first convert and crucial partner in the work there is this woman. Mm. Um, and actually there's no discussion of we don't get the names. Right. We don't. We never meet the Macedonian man. Is what I'm right. trying to say, yeah. <laughs> which is just a little interesting. Maybe that was a, a surprise, a surprise to Paul and Silas and Luke, who's probably joined them now since yeah. it switched to we. Yeah. Although the we's drop out in a uh, 17, so I always like to think that Luke stayed with Lydia, <laughs> and perhaps there was a you know. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting theory. <laughs> a, a special, oh, special wow. uh, little you, partnership uh, that emerges there. But <laughs> you might be onto something. <laughs> Her husband is not ever mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Is Luke's wife ever mentioned? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm just trying to put two I and know. two together well, here. <laughs> the we drops out, and then the we's come back when they go to Philippi later. Oh. So, so the 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 text uh. is suggesting that he stays in Philippi, okay. whether yeah. he stays. But it says they go to her house, so she becomes their. So that's where they go again before they leave. Yeah. So you wonder if Lydia's home is kind of. Probably that's where the church in Philippi. Yeah. To whom he writes the letter to Philippians years later. Yeah. At least born. Wow. that's where that church probably met wow. for quite a while. So she's a <laughs> crucial character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, there's so a Luke, no- <laughs> Luke is on a mission. We're just not sure which mission he stayed behind <laughs> for. Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not trying to imply anything. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and come back and explore the, the, the second half of the story. That's awesome. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Nate Mpanga, and we are looking at Acts chapter 16, pretty much the whole chapter. We started in verse 6 and went to the end. So we focused a lot on the, the way the Spirit was guiding and then focused on Lydia. And now there's this other woman whose name we, we do not get, this slave girl, and this, this power encounter yeah. that, that yeah. Uh, Paul has there and the disruption and the, yeah. the pr- imprisonment that comes. Anything that jumps out in that story that uh, you'd like to, you know, explore a little bit? What stands out there for you? Yeah, this again is another one of, um, I'm, I'm reading it, and from our context, right, I, I think it brings up a lot about just the spirit world and mm-hmm. questions about what kind of a spirit she actually had to be able to fortune tell, essentially, right? And then it, it, it raises a lot of questions about the... Um, the culture that they lived in as well, that somehow this was monetized to. Yeah. It's one of those texts I feel like I'm coming to and I have more questions than I have answers or observations at this point. And I love this, though, that it said Paul was greatly annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I resonate with that from a human level, but it's so powerful that even with this slave girl, with the spirit that she has, a spirit of divination, 
is able to recognize and declare so clearly who Jesus is. And I love here the the statement at the uh, end of verse 17 that says, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to mm. you the way of salvation. Yeah, it's very specific. Oh, man, yeah. that is so powerful. So powerful. Not just, you know, that they know the sound of God or servants of the most high, but no, the, very clearly the way of salvation. That and, really stood out to and me. And for these polytheists, that language of most high God is probably helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's saying, hey, Absolutely. you're chasing all your little gods, but this is the, yep. the top dog God. That's yep. how they would understand it initially. Absolutely. Eventually, they'll learn that all the other gods are yeah. false. But, and then not just mm. that he's speaking truth, but also speaking salvation itself, yeah, that absolutely. this is the way. Yeah. That the helps way. too when you get to that moment later when the jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? saved. Yes. Which of course he might just mean, how am I going to save my neck? Cause they're exactly. going to cut it off tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and in classic Paul fashion, he's like, well, <laughs> I'll take your question and <laughs> pretend you're asking me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Although at that moment he'll do anything. Right. Yeah. So, but you, you also, that's plants that seed though. Yes. Right. That, yes. That, that they are proclaiming a way of I never saw a way that of salvation. Detail. Yeah, and it, it's just all obviously coming to light right now because I had never seen it that way either. But and that's that theme there of salvation mm-hmm. is so powerful for the second half of the the text here. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And it makes me think. I know that I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much, but it's okay to start thinking. Okay, where would this end up in a preaching setting? So yeah. for. Our listeners, the reason why we picked this text to discuss is uh, this first time Nate's been on the show, but he's, he's on the show because he's uh, in town preaching at chapel yeah. here at, at Indian Wesleyan where I work, and he's coming back in a month or so That's right. yeah. to do this text. So, <laughs> so if you're wondering, like, why why this random text? Well, and, and uh, you would have heard the – some of the regular listeners would have heard when Andrea was on when we did yeah. X2 together. So yeah. this is kind of part of that series. And – and we're doing a 10-week series in Acts. And so we we don't we kind of try to pick the text and pick a theme, and then we give the preacher a lot of freedom. Yeah. And the theme, I think, for this is unstoppable, unstoppable freedom, freedom, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So and that was that recurrent, you know, both them <laughs> in prison being mm-hmm. freed and her, the slave girl, being freed. Being freed. Yeah. But it suddenly hit me that the language of salvation is yeah. linked to yeah. the language of liberation. Absolutely. Right? It's rescue. Absolutely. Yes. Being rescued. Yes. Uh, that's sometimes my favorite way to translate sozo mm. is rescue, right? Yeah. They are proclaiming to you a way of rescue. Rescue, yeah. And how how can that's I be good. rescued? Right? Yes. Mm. Liberated, delivered. Yes. Delivered. Yes. So, yeah. Some there's there's some there's interesting themes that are kind of being spelled out here. Yeah. Yeah, that way of salvation. I, I love that so much because I think as I'm reading this and starting to shift into, okay, as I'm praying through this to get ready to teach it, you know, what would I be thinking about? And you just see a theme as we started earlier with talking about the Holy Spirit, that everywhere that the Holy Spirit goes, it brings freedom, mm-hmm. right? There's freedom. There's a freedom that even going way back to Paul and his conversion, right? Paul, I like to think of as maybe um, enslaved to this religion and this system that he was so bound to that he Mm -hmm. thought he was truly serving God in that way. And he encounters Jesus, experiences the Holy Spirit, and now there's this new freedom that he finds to be able to serve God in this way. And everywhere he's going, people experiencing freedom, he finds himself here in prison with Silas. He gets to experience freedom in his own life as he's bringing freedom to a slave girl as he's bringing freedom to the jailer and his family. So there's this freedom everywhere that the spirit goes and moves and that nothing will stop it. No evil spirit will stop it. No uh, prison cell can stop it. It's freedom all over the, the page here as I'm looking at that. So I just love that. Yeah. The theme of freedom and liberation. That'll preach. You started preaching there, oh, bro. Man. <laughs> it's good. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Look at, let's keep on that. Well, the freedom theme... It made me suddenly uh, two connections. One is you yeah. hinted at, I think you were alluding to it even yeah. on purpose, perhaps, the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom, right? that's so right. From 2 Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other connection, and this this is conveniently from hmm. his letter to the Philippians, yeah. which we did actually as a series last year in oh, chapel. Oh, that's cool. We went through yeah. Philippians. But 
He talks there in a couple places at the beginning and again in chapter three about about citizenship, having mm. a different kind of citizenship, That's right. yeah. which is very significant in Philippi. As a Roman yes. colony, you would have a lot of Roman citizens yes. in that town. Yeah. And this, his citizen, Paul's citizenship shows up here. Yeah. At the end, it's a little little move that he plays on them yeah. when they find out he's a citizen and they're freaking out. And he's like, well, you can come escort me. Hey, if you've got it, use it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but thinking about freedom and yeah. so both... Mm starting from their context and then talking about ours yeah. in their context for, for Romans, yeah. the, the fullness of to be free is to be a citizen, yes. to be a citizen of the city of Rome. Yes. Any, you know, there's in their, in their worldview for yeah. a Roman world, you know, slave is at the bottom. Yeah. Roman citizen, at the top, at and the then top. everyone else is in the, in middle, the middle somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so to be truly free yeah. is to be a Roman citizen. Yeah. And actually, there were some who were enslaved who were also Roman citizens. A very okay. complex kind of thing because it had this special, it, it, but it gave you a certain edge that yeah. would make all the difference. Yeah. So it was this, just such a very different society from ours. But yeah. the notion that there's, because freedom isn't, I mean, we tend to just think of freedom exclusively as just not having, right. being unencumbered and all. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. And, yeah. but freedom for them was so linked to mm-hmm. certain rights and privileges. Mm-hmm. And so to have, Paul in the spirit is is moving with a, a different kind of freedom. Absolutely, yeah. And a different kind of citizenship. Absolutely. And I think of us even as modern Absolutely. folks in America where yeah. we tend to think of our citizenship yeah. being connected to our freedoms. Right. And we get very, right. yeah. we be very proud of those freedoms sometimes, yeah. maybe in weird ways too, <laughs> yeah. unhealthy ways. And just thinking of the kind of freedom yes. that the spirit's bringing yes. is of a different sort. Absolutely. And it's a freedom for I think about the I think about the slave girl here in this case. It's a freedom from the spirit of divination that she had and the old lifestyle that she had, where she's now been set free from that. And I think about what Paul writes as well elsewhere that we've been set free now. We've become slaves to righteousness now. <laughs> yes. Where yes. it used to be sin that we were enslaved to, and it's a freedom, like you were saying, that doesn't just get replaced with nothingness. But we are now free as we are slaves to righteousness and slaves to Christ, right? And that's a totally different kind of freedom concept, especially for many of us here in the, in the states where freedom is all about autonomy. But uh, Paul in the scriptures would actually teach us that no true freedom is getting to serve Christ and to live for him and to be living your life in a way that, even as we we're reading about earlier here, where you are under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, go here, you go there. And when the Spirit says, don't go there, you don't go there. But that still is a form of freedom that you get to live out in your life. Yeah. Which is just such a backwards, upside totally. down way of living and looking at it. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> wild how much like, of course, I mean, it, it talks about her master. It's called, tra- my yeah. translation that I had here has owners. Is that what you have in mm-hmm. verse 19? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not irrelevant that the original is their curio. They're wow, lords, their lord. right? Wow. And to recognize, I mean, yeah. masters would be a, a fine translation. Owner is a little misleading. Although that does bring in the economic element, which that's is important true. here. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. to recognize there is competing wow. lordships here. Mm. And it's being under the lordship of Jesus mm-hmm. that one finds true freedom, mm-hmm. right? It's not, yeah. the, it's not having no lord. Yeah. It's having Jesus as Jesus lord. Jesus as lord, yeah. Because in fact, true freedom as Romans understood it was to have Caesar right. as lord. That's true. Right. That's right. So yeah. in that sense, as ancient peoples, they understood yes. how freedom works a little better yes. than we do. Yeah. They just had the wrong Lord. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, that, that all freedom requires a lordship. Yeah. Right. And, and it's this modern notion that I'm my own Lord. Yes. Is what can get us ending up no better off than the jailer or the slave girl. Yeah. So to have these yeah. lords, these masters, these owners who don't care about her at all. It's just right. their lack of money, it says in yep. verse 19. So there's, it's a, it, the freedom that Paul's bringing creates an economic disruption, mm-hmm. right? And they're dragged into the marketplace, not irrelevant, right? So yeah. it's, it's the, yeah. the place of public exchange is what's being disrupted. As long as they're down by the river outside the town, notice the contrast, right? right? <laughs> so if you're down by the riverside yeah. having a chat with Lydia, Eh, That's we can fine. tolerate yeah. that, right? Not the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, we can have we can have a kind of pluralistic religion, right? But Absolutely. Once it's at the marketplace yeah. and that's being a disruption, now wow. it's a problem. Wow. And because the freedom mm. is, and that that spreading of that freedom gets them bound in chains. Wow. They're actually the ones who are free yeah, as they sing, that. right? It's so great. 
What a story, man. man. <laughs> this is this is good. This is so good. Well, you're helping me a lot with homework already here <laughs> when I preach this text. So, oh man, no, that's, <laughs> no, I, I'm only seeing all this because we're talking about oh, it. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. See, not, normally this would be the conversation in preaching I'd be having with myself in my own head, but having another voice looking at this, another perspective and set of eyes. This is just so rich. So. Oh, I'm I'm glad you feel that way. Thank I mean, so because I this. don't pay my guests, so <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a few regulars now who. Yeah. Literally, I don't call them. They call me. Okay. Yeah. They say, <laughs> um, they'll be like, hey, John, I'm preaching on such and such a yeah. text. Can we fresh text Can it? And I'm like, heck text? yeah, let's yeah. do it. You know, I so I, I, I totally I love, because I just love talking about the Bible and yeah. I don't like preaching. Yeah. I like prepping. Gotcha. So, so okay. I'm happy to prep with people and, yeah. and then let them go preach it and <laughs> turn it, in, shape it into a sermon. But yeah, well, mm. I think that's a good, let's take a quick break and then come back and explore these sermon starters some more. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Nate Mponga, and we are looking at Acts chapter 16. So let's explore some sermon starters. I think actually a good—we've already kind of got some theme. I mean, again, it's part of a series, so your theme was somewhat assigned. Yes. I mean, you have a lot of (laughs) elbow room. Right. But I wonder if maybe you want to have a chat, and this is not an official chat about yeah. like chapel stuff. Right. You know, this is just because this is just for our listeners to help them. If anyone's ever preaching on this text, they'll yeah. they might bump into this podcast. Absolutely. When you have one of these stories, because I'm sure you've had to do this in your preaching life, you've yeah. been a preacher for a while, where you have one of these like, I mean, there's a lot of them in Acts, you know, but you have it in the Old Testament a lot too. Yeah. Where you kind of have a long story and you kind of need all the beats yeah. to make. Yeah. Even if it's like, you know, like this story had like at least three or four different parts. Absolutely, yeah. But thematically, they're all kind of intertwined. Like yeah. why they're even in Macedonia, you kind of need to know yes. that it's significant. This yes. is their first time in Europe in the strict yeah. sense of the word. Yeah. They're in Greek culture for the first time, like yeah. fully. I mean, they've been in Hellenized areas, but yeah, they're in a Roman colony. That, there's all this stuff happening in the open verses. Yeah. And then Lydia and the slave girl, the two women, is yeah. there's a theme there, yeah. the salvation theme. So how do you, what do you do when you have a big text, but you know, I know my, I mean, I know I can hit all the themes, but right. I know I'm not going to just sit and just read this Adam. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. I am, but what is yeah. that going to look like? Do I break it up? Do I just yeah. pick a section? What yeah. are some of the ways you solved that problem yeah. as a preacher? And then maybe in the process, you and I can kind of think, okay. What would you select? To, how do you solve that? Sorry, that was a yeah. long question. No, that's so good. It always, it's a thing I'm always stuck on. Yeah. Is how no, to deal it's, with that. It's a very, it's a very real uh, challenge in preaching such a large text. I wonder and, if it's why we like preaching the gospel so much, because they definitely tend to be <laughs> these do. shorter little, except in John, you've yeah. got these short little pericopes. That's right. <laughs> 10, 20 verses and yeah. self-contained. Um, yeah, so when, I, when I've ran into this in the past, what I'll typically do is, and in this case, it's a little bit different because there's already a theme assigned that we're trying to follow with. But typically in this case, I would take, okay, what are some of the movements of the text um, in chunks? And it feels like 11 through 15 is a chunk. Uh, 16 through kind of 24 is a chunk. 25 through, we'll call it 40 is a chunk. And Mm -hmm. so with each one of those stories, I begin to read that and then kind of try to summarize in maybe a, a phrase or two. What ah. is each section? Why do I feel like it's kind of the the main point or the main driving right idea of each section? And then I'll just write those down. And then after that, I look at them actually on a piece of paper, which is why I have my composition okay. book here. I'm a pen and paper guy. Me too. So I'll write that down. And then out of that, begin to think, okay, like, what do I feel like the text is trying to say? And I jot down some of those notes and then I go back and then I'm able to compare all three of them and say, what is a common theme or thread that runs through all of that? And then that becomes my main driving point for the sermon. And then I'm able to expand that then in all three of those points. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind yeah, of a, yeah. a weird method I've developed no, you know, I... over the years, but it's how my mind works best is to break it up into, okay, what are some chunks of text that seem to have the same movement to them? pull out the main ideas out of that. And then out of that, I'm able to see some themes usually uh, that, that begin to emerge uh, like the, like the text this morning preaching through Acts four and just that idea of 
it was unity, generosity, and transparency. Mm-hmm. And as I began to write down each of those and I saw the common connection and I'm like, oh, well, these are all building blocks that you need to have community. And so that's kind of how that all you know, came about for me. And so I would start there with this text. Yeah, I did notice. One of yeah, those. I noticed you did that this morning when you yeah. preached. You, you actually did not like give us the whole text right. first. Right. You yeah. kind of did it in pieces. That's right. Yeah. And that that's right. may be one of that's one yeah. solution yeah. actually Absolutely. to do it because then you can actually you actually can get through a Absolutely. larger text because I, I could imagine. Yeah. You actually by the end of a sermon, having gotten through every move right. of this story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the question is just where to start. You yes. Know? So you wouldn't have to start at verse six. <laughs> yes. You know, you could, you could start at verse 11, you know, yeah. setting sail. Yeah. Although why, why they're setting sails kind of, it's kind of neat to, yes. Cause it can make it seem like it's all about Paul. Yes. If you start at 11, yeah. if you start at six, of course, then you have to say some weird, you have to pronounce some nation uh, places i usually okay. skip over those especially <laughs> old testament i just don't pretend. burn over it <laughs> don't even um, yeah so i would i would then look at okay for six through ten you know w- what is happening here what do i feel like is kind of the main theme that comes out of that and i think uh, as we were talking about earlier definitely the holy spirit is so present in that mm-hmm. and you look at paul as being in total submission to the Holy Spirit's leading and already, guidance. It's already planting the freedom And so, theme, yeah, the freedom <laughs> piece. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah, These themes okay. begin to come out, right? And so then this freedom, is where I would look at it. Freedom means submission Yeah, to freedom the means submission. Yeah. And that's the personal side of it. Uh, what does personal freedom look like in my life? It's actually living my life in submission to the Holy Spirit. So that would be maybe a theme that I would talk about there and talk about what does that look like, right, to then obey when you have those promptings and the Spirit telling you no, or the Spirit saying yes, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom is being able to obey and to, to follow in, in obedience. Then I would jump down to Lydia then and look at her and, okay, w- what are we reading about here? What does that look like? And there's just this outpouring of somebody receiving the, the gospel, receiving God with so much joy that she's baptized and her entire household is baptized. And what what does that kind of freedom look like to live my life, to be open um, mm. to a move of God, to receive joyfully? Because it had that phrase in four, right? The Lord opened yes. her heart yes. to yes. listen, mm-hmm. to eagerly mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there is that openness, openness of heart absolutely. Is, a, is a form of absolutely. freedom too. Yep. Hmm. So I would say the first two have to deal more with the personal freedom side of it. And those those are the easy ones to preach because you can just connect to people right away, right? Yeah. Now, when you get to the slave <laughs> girl, right? that one I think is where then, okay, you have to maybe contextualize a little bit depending on who you're talking to here. But what it's really talking about is spiritual oppression and somebody experiencing mm-hmm. freedom from spiritual oppression. <sighs> And not every single one of us, uh, you can get into a whole theology of, you know, demon possession. What does that look like for a believer? Is that a thing? Is that not? I probably wouldn't get too far into that in a sermon contest because you just don't have a lot of probably time to address all of that and get into the theology of it. But you can talk about what a spiritual oppression look like for every person that is listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, here we just see an example of it. it just happens to be a spirit, right? That was, we don't know if this was tormenting her, what that was like, and you've got these people that are taking advantage of it, but who she was was a spiritually oppressed person that experiences freedom, spiritual freedom. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like in my life? What are some areas where you can sometimes feel like, man, the enemy is oppressing us. You read Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? Spiritual warfare is a real thing, and we all can feel and experience spiritual oppression in different ways, and so the Spirit brings freedom from that because He was in you is greater than He was in the world, and so you can go on a whole thing here about that. What does that look like? So that's an example of where I would go with that. Oh, man, this is so good. (laughs) And you get two more Uh, layers then, right? Because then 19, whether you'd do this or not, you could do 19 to 24 yeah. and talk about economic mm-hmm. oppression, right? Yeah. They were taking right. advantage of her, That's right. Yeah. right? That's right. And, yeah. you know, 
what it means to be freed mm -hmm. from that mm -hmm. and how that's sometimes freedom is pretty disruptive. That's right. Actually, that's not right. all freedom is going to be welcomed. That's right. Yeah. By the society. That's right. Yeah. And I think about Jesus's, uh, you know, getting up and beginning his ministry with the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah. Because he's come to declare what freedom right to the captives. Yeah. And you think about the different people that are the captives in this story, people that are maybe captives uh, economically, spiritually, and where the spirit is moving, there's freedom. All of them are experiencing uh, freedom in their own way. So, I mean, this would preach. It would preach. Uh, yeah. Really well. <laughs> and the question is just like, you know, how much time do you have and what right. are you going to do with it? Right. So you yeah. could have up to you have somewhere between four and six yeah. sort yeah. of aspects or That's spheres right. you could think of them as spheres That's of freedom right. and i yeah. know and I, I liked how this sermon's kind of expanding out it yeah. starts with like yeah being you know for you know when you think of an audience you've got right. people who who identify with paul they're That's on right. mission That's they're right. yeah. they're yeah. but like what is, and they want to hear from god it's yes like, but are you submitting to the yes. spirit when yes. there's a no do you take the no yep are yep. you receptive to the vision to the yes. guidance yeah. And then expand out a little bit. Or is your Absolutely. heart, and then the the opening of the heart in Lydia? Yeah, yeah. Someone receiving so the gospel. Yeah. And then the spiritual oppression. Yes. Sphere. Yes. Supernatural sphere. Yeah. And then maybe you add that that economic political Absolutely. element. Yeah. Absolutely. That could be a fourth. Yeah. And then obviously the fifth is the then the great ironic yeah. switch where yeah. we think Paul and Silas are in prison, <laughs> right. but actually it's the yeah. jailer. <laughs> He's the one who's. In danger, man. That'll preach, um, <laughs> right? Because he's that. under all that imperial authority. That's right. Filled with fear. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And like, and what does it look like to experience freedom in his context, knowing that he still has to live in that same world, right? And for many of us, what are some ways that we are captive without realizing it today? I think about. Huh. For how many of us it's we're sold the dream of go to school, work hard, and you know achieve all these things and pursue, pursue, pursue the American dream. And many of us can find ourselves sometimes just captive within this world that we've been creating, that we were sold as this is a great idea, but now I have to go to my job and work all these hours and my kids have to be in a million sports and they have to do all these and then achieve and it's the constant achieve, achieve and what does freedom look like for us today? Because that's the context I get to pastor in. It's a highly, um, it's a high income, affluent area, high achieving people that supposedly have anything you'd want as far as autonomy, right? But you get to see that in the midst of that also, uh, many of us are overly stressed. We're tired all the time. We feel stretched. We feel overcommitted to everything. And so that's where always I just stop and say, what are some things we're doing even in our lives that have contributed to really holding us captive in some ways that we don't even realize it, right? It's like we're walking around with uh, these shackles, you know, metaphorically speaking, right. that we don't but even we realize are there, but we think we're free. Like the I, I, I see you're playing you with see the what jailer I'm saying? here. Yeah, so it's like just always applying that yeah. back to, okay, like what does that look like? he would be a professional. Like? He would probably he would be, be a Roman citizen. Yes. He may even be from Rome yes. or from Italy somewhere Absolutely. who's yeah. come out here to, yep. to work up the ladder. Yep. And he's stuck attached to this yep. jail. But he's <laughs> yep. not, it's not like he like wakes up in the morning passionate about That's you know, right. keeping prisoners. <laughs> That's in. right. Yeah. This is what he's doing to get ahead in the yeah. rat race. Absolutely. Of the Roman Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Yeah. And he has wow. this like, my life is over moment. And right, it's which actually is how it like, feels no, when you have a massive. Your life is just beginning with this new <laughs> oh, yes. freedom that you're now discovering in Christ and what that means for you. And it, I just, can't help but imagine it. His life never looks the same after that. Yeah. And so it's really powerful. And we don't know. I don't know if the scriptures tell us, does he go back to his job? You know what he does. But I'm, I bet you if he goes back to his job, it it's wouldn't look, look the same. It's going to mm -hmm. look very different after that. And Well, and at some yeah, point he's going to meet so Lydia. Powerful. Yes. <laughs> and be a part of this new yes, community. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's two yeah. households that we get reported yeah. specifically yeah. that all absolutely. come to faith. Yeah. Hers at the beginning and, and his, his at yeah. the end. Man. Right, both of them are listed. So she is a householder, even though there's no mention of a husband, which makes me wonder if she's a widow and this is, but she has yeah. Yeah. servants and maybe Absolutely. children even. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. Man. Yeah, so you got, yeah, well, I think. <laughs> there's you, a lot there. Yeah, you ended up with this Paul and then Lydia and then the slave girl. Yeah. Uh, maybe you do that economic one, maybe you don't. But then definitely the jailer at the yes. end as the big yes. turnaround. Yes. And then you get a great, I mean, if you're going to have a worship song at the end, you know, you got a great <laughs> tie-in to just say, you know, 
hey, you know, you might think you're in chains, yeah. but actually <laughs> oh, you can just start worshiping right now. You I know? love that. Captive. That's good. That's going to be a good sermon, man. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, think I just know which direction yeah, I'm going to take. It's going to be real good. Well, sometimes when we do this, it's yeah. like hypothetical. We're yeah. not, we just have a text and right. we just try it. And then sometimes I'll have someone on like yourself who yeah. like, I know I am preaching this text. That's and right. It, uh, yeah. it, always, it always makes it a little more anxious on the front end because yeah. we don't want to waste the hour. Yeah. But then usually by the end of the oh, man, episode, we're is, like pumped because we're like, okay, I got exciting. a sermon idea. Yeah, now we're good. exciting stuff. And, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I took your word and didn't even really get into the text at all. So this is actually fresh, fresh text. So, True, fresh text. Uh, I love that process so much. It's so yeah. good. And yeah, the scriptures are just so rich because there's there's a lot, you know, in here that you could uh, you can preach on. And that's always the challenge for me is, you know, I have 35 minutes in my context that I need to preach. And I'm always praying and saying, okay, Lord, what is it that you want to say mm-hmm. right now for these people for this weekend and anything that you don't want to say, you know, remove that from me and just really trying to always hone down and try to, again, back to the Holy Spirit part of it, really sense like what, what is the Holy yeah. Spirit doing and moving and how is he speaking to our church right now? What does our church need to hear for where we're at right now in the season and bringing a fresh word, you know, out of that. But hey, and it's a, it's a challenging, it's a challenging task because you're having to cut out so many things that, yep. you know, you're doing your Greek and you're like, that's a really cool, you know, yeah. I could bring that in, but it's like, <laughs> no, you know, I'm not called to to be clever. I'm called to, you know, preach the word faithfully. Right. And that's always part of the challenge with that. But, well, it's, yeah. I mean, that's a great place to end in yeah. terms, because most of our list, not all, but most of our listeners are preachers, working Absolutely. preachers. Yeah. And to just end with that thought that like, yeah. I mean, we might want to resonate with Paul in those opening verses with this sermon and with every other sermon. Yeah. Because he's got uh, twice mm. the spirit of, uh, it's forbids yes. and did not allow. Yes. Yeah. And then there's an invitation. That's right. So how often That's do I right. have three points and the sermon just needs to be one, right? <laughs> Which Come two on. is he forbidding? <laughs> Which two Man. is he saying, set it aside? My goodness. Wow. What's the one thing? Wow. And to recognize wow. that we're Absolutely. we're often being led by the Spirit Absolutely. to yeah. to let something go. Yeah. Wow. And that's freedom. Wow. The freedom of Man. obedience. Because if we know we're on the right track, it doesn't right. matter what the other 99 things might that's be. That's right. Yeah. This is the one thing that's that I'm right. being told to do right now. Yeah. So that's that's freedom. Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, thanks so, so much, good. Nate. Yeah. This was a blast yeah. to have you on the show. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to uh, Nate and Tyler and the whole gang here at the Called Collective Network. We appreciate you production work so much. Thanks to Todd, Eric, and Tom for helping start this show all those years ago. Could have never started this without you. And uh, with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.